Hey guys, thanks for tuning back into Coffee and Band Chats. My name is John Kroom, and on this week's episode, we chat with TJ Eisenhardt. TJ Eisenhardt is a pro cyclist and artist based out of Utah who has won many races and stages of Tour of Utah, Redlands, and many more. But TJ has recently moved away from the pro cycling lifestyle and has recently created a business and a team to kind of fit into his dreams and his lifestyle. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy. But first, let's hear a message from our sponsors. This week's episode is also brought to you by Orange Mud. Orange Mud is a company that does adventure hydration packs for running, cycling, and much more. Along with their hydration packs, they also create some cool adventure goodies for your next adventure. So be sure to check them out at orangemud.com. All right, guys, welcome back to Coffee and Band Chats. Um, I'm here with TJ Eisenhart. Um, like I said before, in the, last, in the last few of these videos, we haven't had anybody really to talk about a van, but this guy's got a car with a rooftopper on it. I mean, he's already been to 24 hours of Pueblo and he was pretty much camping out and flipping some flapjacks with the boys. So now, TJ, what's up, dude? Oh man, not much, just loving life uh chilling outside right now in my uh studio yeah. uh this is where i like to do you know really anything kind of like this in the interviews or any podcasts or uh just come out here do some artwork or even if i just need to like chill and meditate you know so life's good just kicking it man yeah. appreciate the love for you know having me on your podcast and allowing me to you know share my voice and share some cool stuff with you guys so yeah, yeah. Thanks for taking the time, dude. So let's, before we start diving into to, to the van life and all those crazy things, the art, you know? So like, yeah. where did that, where did that stimulate? Cause like me being a cyclist and trying to find time to even just record videos and like be creative on that front is hard, but like taking, finding the time to be an artist and like, what's your background in there? Like, how did you even get started into that? Like, how does that even roll into it? Yeah, that's a crazy, a lot of people, you know, see my artwork now and, you know, see, you know, it being sold or another one being sold and, you know, I just like, how, like, I just wake up one day and just like selling artwork, you know, just wake up one day and you started painting. It's like, no, just like anything in life. Yeah. I put years and years and years and years and years of hard work every day into it. You know, I think that's something that's forgotten quite frequently to, in today's world is, the art of hard work, you know, and the yeah, art sure. of just going out and practicing something daily, you know, and it's, I remember my mom, you know, putting a sketchbook in my hand when, you know, I was a little, little kid, like, you know, two, three years old and just freaking, you know, to keep me quiet during uh, <laughs> church, you know, and yeah. then she was constantly signing me up for, you know, art classes, whether it be like cartoon drawing or eventually liquid lead. So I started using like airbrush. So like that process, I started doing airbrush at 10 years old. So that's oh, like, wow, that's cool, man. Yeah, that process, I don't do that process anymore because it's so like tiring and time yeah. consuming. So, I mean, when you finish an airbrush piece, it looks just like a photo, like oh. a lot of time. And like when you get really, really good and it takes years to get good. I did it for seven years uh, and where I would just go every Monday, uh, and Thursday and do like three hours when I was a little kid. And I remember when my That's mom wild. told me I was going to do it, I was like in tears because I just didn't want to like go to this studio and draw <laughs> for three hours. Like, 
because it was tedious drawing. It wasn't like you were drawing something new every day. It was like accomplishing a shadow. Okay. So like, you know, that's like a tiring process process of going over, erasing, spraying, erasing, spraying, erasing, spraying, erasing, until you finally build up like a layer where it's just that perfect blend where, you know, and it's so it, it's it's very hard where I actually was the youngest uh, like kid in that like kind of art school. Everyone else was adults. And the teacher even said to my mom, like right before she signed me up, she's like, he was like, uh, you know, hey, normally kids, they're not good with this because it takes a lot of patience. And my mom was like, he'll do it. Like <laughs> he needs to learn the and, patience. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, you know, I was playing baseball all my life growing up and my okay. parents, you know, we, so they were always instilling kind of like almost, you know, that discipline, that competitiveness. My sister, she was a professional dancer. My brother, he played baseball. And so I always had that to kind of like, you know, competitiveness to follow in my siblings path. And so it was always taught into me, like, all right, discipline gets reward, but it kind of got tightened when I did that art class. Cause again, it's very tedious, but you know, I ended up doing it, liking it, growing with it. And it, it taught me like so much discipline and so much knowledge that now it's like, I'm constantly going back and using techniques or using ways to achieve but maybe not with the same medium uh and so yeah it's funny like i've i've been doing art i stopped like i said doing airbrush when i was like 17 18 because i it's when i signed with bmc and when i signed with bmc i had this crazy stupid idea that i just needed to like put everything in the basket all eggs in the basket so i just completely took everything else out of my life and just moved to Europe and, you know, lived the dream yeah. that everyone, every American thinks they want to live, you know? And, oh yeah, I know the dream, yeah. You know, moved to Europe and uh, was racing in Belgium with BMC and doing all that and, uh, you know, reading cycling, eating cycling, everything cycling. And eventually it just like burned me out, you know, where it was like three years later, I was like ready to quit. I didn't like cycling anymore. Uh, yeah, other things. But my mom was, I remember telling my mom that year that I was wanting to quit. And I was like, hey, I feel like I'm getting stupid. I was like, all we're doing is riding our, going, waking up, riding our bike, coming home, watching Netflix, like, or watching a bike race. And you just could feel your brain just shutting down. And so I quit the cycling season early, uh, like, end of July I was done went home and told like people like all my coaches BMC everyone like don't talk to me for six weeks like let me get my things like let me get my priorities straight let me like figure out why I even like to ride the bike and I went and took a basic art class again at Dixie University okay and it just kind of you know just pencil and paper with people who had never like drawn before just basic because I always believed that yeah, you should always go back to your basics, you know, even oh, if sure. you have done like years. Uh, so go back to that, discover that I like missed it and loved it like crazy. I discovered that I missed like being able, I, I, and I discovered that I was able to uh, be emotional and be, and like translate like emotions through my art. Instead of just right. drawing a piece or, you know, drawing a piece that looked like a picture, 
because that means nothing. Like tons of people yeah. can do that. Like you could just take a picture if you wanted. But what people really want and why people love art is because of the evoke, like the emotion that it evokes within yeah. inside you. And as an artist, that's the emotion you're trying to break out in everyone. And so like, but before you can become an artist, you first have to break that shell out in yourself. For sure. And that's like, like I said, I had to go back to, you know, doing a basic class at the university, but it really hit me when I, we would, at the end of every class, I remember looking at like everyone's pieces and like, we draw the same thing, you know, we'd set up something in the center, draw the same thing, but everyone's piece was different. Like whether they focus on this or that perspective or made it bigger or smaller, like it, that's a way to see inside someone's mind, like see yeah. how someone views the world. And like, it yeah. really hit me like, wow, oh my gosh, if we could really have people draw more like that, how much more emotion or how much more could we see in, you know, and it just hit me that art is so strong and powerful because you really can see how people view, you know, the same, cause it's not the same object. Every, sure. all of us view it differently yeah. you know like no, you view yeah, a bike differently cool. than someone else yeah. you know like there's so many things we view differently with value or whatnot and that really dawned on me and I remember like then kind of figuring out like how to slowly over these last like four years like to basically unlock that little bot like unlock yourself where you can basically then be fluid and like allow all that emotion out onto a piece so then you can truly start spreading messages and like really being an artist you know because that's what it's about is trying to figure out what your style is what you're trying to say in this world and how you're going to say it you know so yeah. like for example let's see if i could show you guys this painting i'm working on right now so this is a bumblebee obviously and oh, this bumblebee it's a commission piece so it's already been sold uh and you know you can see how it like just i made the sides a little bit more like blurred so it just kind of pulls you into the piece slows down time slows down like i don't know just that delicate process of a bee landing on a flower and how pure and beautiful that is and like you know just how simple it is and then slowly you know if you can see the word love within the like oh, the wings that's rad yeah yeah we can see that that's sick so adding hidden details you know like just these flaps of love like spread like you know because bees spread pollen so what if yeah. the bee were to spread love you yeah. know and so that's the type of stuff you know this oh sorry zoom around you're good you know art that's when you start you becoming an artist when you're not like just like painting a cool car or you're just yeah. painting a cool life you're actually focused on you know uh yeah sending a message to the world so yeah i've been doing art for a while <laughs> that yeah that, and that's super cool to think about because like you know i think i think a lot of people miss that right because like we're all athletes so the moment we start doing something post career they're like what are they, these guys doing? They're just going on like a tangent of just being, what are they going to become Picasso overnight? Like you look at like a guy, like yeah. Anthony, there's no way that the dudes just started painting. Like, it's like, Oh, I'm going to retire today. And now I'm going to throw some paint on a wall. Like there, there's yeah. a process there somewhere that he decided he's going to start painting. So yeah, that's kind well, of interesting to hear where you came from there. Oh, totally. I mean, that's, it's everything stems from just awakening that like, it's just that kindling within where you're just yeah. finally are able to light it. And once you light it, 
the whole world is just different. Once it's lit, the whole world is your canvas. Like you can't look at one thing and not like figure out some way to make it yours or how to communicate in an artistic form. You know I mean? That's why I started Imaginary Collective because I, it's not, there's not an artistic form in cycling. You know, there's not this fluid there. We're all about like numbers, power, you know, stripping carbon down to black. So it's super light and weight, you know, and I want to, you know, bring back, you know, colored tires. I want, you know, I want to bring back, you know, actually where we're talking more about how cool the bike is and how cool just that whole look is maybe like it's, and so, yeah, that's why we started Imaginary Collective and it's been cool to see the outpour of support you know, because it was either going to go this January, it was either going to go one way or the other, you know, it was either going to sure, go good. Yeah. Or, you're either going to yeah. get an out, outpour of love or an outpour of like criticism. And like, and because we even came into this year before coronavirus or anything saying we did not, you know, Ju- January 1st, I sat down with Fred Dreyer on Velenez and said, we at Imaginary Collective do not care about winning at all. Yeah. Like at all. We straight up said that. Now when people say that, you know, it's mostly because they're trying to look for something, you know, to do during Corona. Yeah. We started that trend. (laughs) Because this is something I've dreamed up of for years about triggering people to just ride their bikes because they love to ride their bikes. Not because they have, you know, this massive goal to achieve or they have to ride to this race or it's the fact that they can just you know, jump on their bike with their kid in their trailer, ride for 15 minutes and experience the same emotion that they do during a six hour ride by themselves. You know, it's about that community coming together because, and I mean, like I said, we're doing that all now, you know? So it's funny how it's like, we're doing that now. Something I, you know, I, I was telling my wife how amazing it is to be getting so much support now with how I see the sport and view cycling when for years when I was racing and talking about, you know, spreading love, doing peace, you know, all this, you know, wanting to do things to help, you know, depression, all that. I was getting emails of like threats to being fired off teams. I was getting like, you know, crazy criticism about, oh man, cycling is a tough man sport. We need to be doing this, this, this. Now look at where the tables are turned. Everyone's having to look at, oh, why do they ride the bike? Because they can't race right now. Yeah. And I think, I think that's really cool and kind of interesting to think about because especially, you know, what you said earlier, it's like you were kind of raised on that discipline and raised on that competitiveness. So was it kind of the European campaign that you felt like kind of maybe switched that over a bit? Or like, have you always kind of felt like that? It was just like the moment that you were like really, really thinking for yourself and really, really trying for yourself. It's like, hey, man, I just need to take a step back. And, like, competitiveness is great, but, like, because, I mean, dude, U23 time trial national champion. Uh, Redlands win. Like, yeah. the competitiveness is there. The ability is there. But when did – when was it, like – when was the thought process of, like, you know what? Like, those results are cool, but to find those results now, you, you got to Google it or whatever. Yeah, to, yeah. For it to really matter. So how do I make an impact? without you having to Google the impact? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, so, sorry, let me think 
I love to just think before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're good, man. No, man, I, you know, that whole transition, if you ask, I, right now I'm doing my own podcast uh, called The Next Stage with my old yeah, ex-teammate, yeah. Tyler Williams. And yesterday we did a podcast, an episode with uh, our ex, our old teammate too, and friend, Alexi Vermeulen. And so we all raced oh, on sweet. BMC development team together. Yeah. And if you ask anyone that knew me before 2016, they'll, nobody will say like a more competitive or tougher, like competitor. Yeah. Like when I raced or when I was training, it was like, I, like I was willing every race I was willing to go down to win, you know, yeah. like I, it didn't matter to me if I were to crash or like, like, or if I was gonna like, suffer like I just wanted to like be competitive or I wanted to like either way out and that's not just even saying for me to win but to help my teammate even win or yeah. achieve like and that's like you know with all my stagiarships and everything and then it's it you know that I was super competitive growing up and I've always been raised super competitive and it's not that I've turned it off more so like turned it towards a different direction and more in a healthier direction because uh i don't think you could ever i definitely haven't turned it off because i've applied that within everything else that i've done but just in a healthier more balanced life so i'm very competitive with you know selling my art or you know very competitive with getting more sponsors or very competitive with getting more uh business opportunities for my business or you know i'm waking up every day like you know 6 a.m or whatever to just beyond hustling doing emails getting this done or this social media done so it's like i've just turned the switch over to another side and allowed myself to enjoy the bike for what it is because it that switch you talk about where it turned from like the bike switch to just kind of then business switch was probably like started around 2016 and it was like you know I was told by BMC that I'd stagiere with them and I do like one of the, I do the longest stagiership. So I, I've done the longest stagiership that anyone else has done. And then when you're told you're not going to be signed, you're like, well, I have nothing to lose. So then you, at that point, start like being someone that the team wants you to be and you start allowing yourself to be you. And then that's like, when I did that, all of a sudden I started like really, really clicking with all the guys on the team. Like Gilbert, yeah. Zabel, uh, Burghardt, uh, Taylor, like we all started like, like good friends, you know, where you still, con- you know, talk to them. And it was like, wait, if I could just be myself, like fully myself and quit just being this shy little kid, like they like that. And so, you know, it kind of started o- opening, opening. I moved over to America to race for the Hincapies, race uh, a few years there. And there it's like, you know, I got those results. And when I got those results and I was being myself, it really just like shot me, you know, because then I noticed like people, they liked the results. They thought that was cool, but they loved me. They didn't like, like, and they loved what I was bringing. They loved the stories I was telling. They loved like stage two of Colorado classic. I finished second. I didn't even win that race, but everyone always, when they think of that race, I, and even I finished like fourth overall, you know, at the end, but because of that one stage, 
everyone just when they think of that race that year, they think of me. Not a lot of people can name the winners of the actual the overall winner. Yeah. And it's just because I went out there and I put on a show and like I put on a show. Like when I was on the break, I was playing with the crowd. Like I was this yeah. hype man, a sportsman. I was wearing my necklace. I had style. You know, I was personality. When they caught me, I didn't quit. You know, and it's like because I also knew when you're that long out in front of TV, you also realize too it's a show and that you're yeah. not it, you know, cycling always kind of gets into this world of like, oh man, we're off to battle, we're off to war. You're not off to battle, you're off to war. You're going in front of a TV, so be an entertainer. Like, yeah, be which, like, and they have it backwards right now where a majority of them are like, you know, just numb face, like all wearing the same stuff and don't talk to anyone, focus on the race, blah, blah, blah. And then you have no stories, no fun, no personality. And people can usually only remember five people at like the Tour de France, like Chris Broom, Quintana, yeah. you know, guy, you know, Thomas Bernal. And it's like, nobody else sticks out because nobody else is like different. You know, everyone on the team is the exact same. And I get that, but there's still like in other team sports in the world, there's still personality on the team. Oh, for sure. And I think, I think that kind of brings us into like imaginary collective as a whole, like, yeah. How how not only because it's not just you, it's it's uh Dalheim as well. And yeah. Um and that's it. Like as of right now, that's just you two. Uh just kind yeah, of because, started, right? You know, we we're not a team. We're a brand, we're a company. Uh I had no I, I had no dream or aspirations of getting a team license or, you know, getting nine people on or seven people on and you know, not paying them or, you know, and just getting them like hyped on this cycling dream that everyone does every year it was like no we only have enough money for two people we're not focused on racing we're focused on building a brand and a company in this like cycling gravel world then once we grow that you know every year bring on one or you know however many people we can you know but it's about thinking smart thinking about the future not just thinking about okay how can we do a seven-man team for next year all right we got the sponsors and then you're just like going through it and then at the end of the year you're looking for more sponsors again and you're looking so it's like instead of that just focus on building it first yeah. getting a structure building it you know sometimes building the base and just building like the foundation of the house takes the longest you know so yeah, yeah. and so so what's the what's the overall like we we understand that like with imaginary collective you know results aren't a key um yeah but like what's what's the overall brand key because you guys aren't only a team. I mean, you guys are selling t-shirts yeah. mean, during the, during this pandemic, we got some neck gaiters, you know, some mm-hmm. masks for the, for the fam. Um, so, so what, what exactly is imaginary collective doing and not only for the sport in general, but for the sponsors as well. So it's basically its own cold. It's like its own culture off of gravel, you know, imaginary collective to me is riding grab packing your car up your super my Subaru throwing yeah. my two mount throwing the mountain bikes on the back driving up to the like lake or the reservoir with my wife setting up a campfire roasting some s'mores waking up the next day riding mountain bikes coming jiving, diving in the water campfire drive you know like that is it that yeah. that's the vibe you get at 24 hours of Pueblo it's the vibe you get at all these awesome events and that's you know the vibe I love and the way I see the bike is 
doing things like that, you know, so, you know, using the, the rooftop tents, you know, using those different, you know, kind of just going after that side of cycling, you know, like I said, yeah. and it's like, it's hard for people to, you know, conceptualize because sure. there's no finish line. Oh man. I remember the days when we were like, all of us were like in full panic of like what bed we were sleeping on in Europe and like mm -hmm. the Norma text, the massage list, yeah. like all that stuff. And now, now I'm just like packing up the van and like, I don't even care if I, you know, I have eaten. Yeah. <laughs> now I have, work. I mean like the other, the other weekend, last weekend when I went up to the reservoir with my wife, like the longest ride I did on my mountain bike was to gather firewood. Like, yeah. but that was awesome. And that was the vibe. And that was it. That was, the, you know, I only had to ride my bike for that, you know, five, 10 minutes to capture it. And that's the whole point that I'm trying to tell and like say is like, you don't need to be caught up where it's like, oh, I need to do an hour. I need to have a 15 minute warm up. I need to then get into my intervals. By then you've missed out on so much of the world. Like legit, just jump on your bike, enjoy it. And so like all our merchandise, you know, all the stuff we sell, it's all inspired from basically uh my you know concept of from bike to campfire so everything yeah. you can basically throw into you know your backpack grab your gravel bike or your mountain bike ride off and go you know stay the night you know like Brad. we got a kick-ass uh fleece that's super lightweight easily to fold up into a ball to throw in your bag got this sweet just basic black tee and just campfire hat and then we have a beanie, you know, and then we also have a koozie that's also, uh, you know, a coffee mug. And those are all these things like, you know, only selling products that you're actually going to use and like, you know, stuff where it's not like just cheap, boring stuff, but it's like stuff you're going to use and get dirty. Like yeah. this hat, it's dirty. And that's the point of it. I hate it when people have the stickers on their hats, you know, yeah. it's and like everybody wanting this new look. I want dirt. I want your fleece to smell like campfire smoke. Yeah. Like when you, I want your hat to have like dust on it or like bike grease on it from working on it. Like yeah. that's the, pro that's how I want to bring people back to that place. And th for me, I'm able to do that through the bike. And so that's what we're trying to do with Imaginary Collective is basically bring that, you know, I like to say we like to imagine it and then come together as a collective. Oh, that's and cool, bring man. it to like life so that's really it and we do that a lot with our sponsors whether it be with envy and the custom decal uh how much part they, did you guys have in that uh so they can't we didn't have anything to do with the conceptual idea or anything like yeah. that uh they just came to us to launch it so when i contacted envy last year they were like absolutely let's anything you want and then they came back and we were talking because they know my art background and they're like, dude, we have the perfect idea uh, for like us to drop it. So we were the first ones to get the decals. That's we were sick. the first ones to try it out and everything because they wanted it to be from like an artist standpoint, you know, and the whole idea, you know, we, you know, later we want to come up with maybe a video or something, but where it's, you know, studio drawing it on paper uploading it photo uploading it on the computer then having it on your wheels to ride that's so cool like it's the coolest thing ever knowing that my wheels are one of one in the world and they're my art on those yeah. wheels like that's so cool so it's just about doing cool things like that you know talking to a lot of our 
you know, during this virus, I've messaged a lot of our sponsors like Envy, uh, Kogel, and they've sent me a lot of their products to even just hand paint, you know, to like hang in their office. So it's like, I'm interested in working with my sponsors, not even sponsors, but you know, friends or partnerships. Uh, whereas the old kind of team structure was based on give us your stuff, shut up and be quiet, and we're gonna train, you know, yeah. or race. Or here's a sheet and of we'll, paper. Here's what you yep. stick to. Only stay yep. to this. Post ten times a, a year, and then yeah. call it a day. And you don't even meet the people behind the product. Yeah, we just, I mean, I just cut out the middleman. I mean, last yeah. year I was looking at my phone and it was like, can I do this? And it was like, you have the owner of this company, this company, this company. And you're just like, let's call up and see. Like the worst yeah. they can do is say no. And I trust yeah. me, like everyone thinks that things just start up or things just happen to work out. It's like, no, I get constantly told no on a daily basis. Like I'm constantly told no from people. And it's yeah. like the fact that they're telling me no, then allows me to go out after others and actually get it done. Yeah. I went through three shoe sponsorships before I finally landed with Spider, where they are giving me everything I wanted or premeditated. You know what yeah. I mean? So it was like you work at, you work with one company, ask for more, or you know, develop more, or you see like, hey, I actually want to do this, or I want to have my own colorway. They yeah. say no. Don't just be like, okay, uh, like, yeah, you're right. Be like, all right, I'll see you later. Like, yeah. go find someone else. Someone else, they might give you like an, another, like a little bit farther, you know, they might give you something else. Like they might give you cash, you know, but it's not, they won't give you the colorway. Yeah. Then, you know, you're like, all right, well, I want something else too. And it's not like you just are saying no and waiting for something to appear. It's like you actually going after it and seeking yeah. it. So no, and that's, I've, I've realized that just over the course of working with, you know, being on a team and then working with Team USA and then just doing it on my own. It's like, man, I played the game where I got like 50 sunglasses and like yeah. paid or whatever. And you're just like, oh yeah, like I'm sponsored. And then now you can barely see, you know, the sunglasses are breaking, like they're cheap sunglasses. They don't work very well and they don't even really yeah. look that great, but you're sponsored, right? And then, yeah. and then you're like, you know what? Like, I would rather just buy a pair of hundred percents or just like oh, yeah. start, just start a relationship there mm -hmm. than, than actually just get some sponsor because they'll give me more or give me like, I, you almost need something that is a partnership. I liked when you kind of corrected yourself almost it's like, yeah, being sponsored is cool but having a partnership is even cooler because I feel like yeah. it's, it's a little bit more authentic. It's a little bit more friend driven. Yeah. I mean, I, I have no, like I said, I have no aspirations of winning anything. So my goals are creation. Yeah. Like I, I get, no, I, I get such a high, like seeing those decals on my wheel or seeing an, a fresh, but like seeing the colors that I sent to spider and then them coming to life like two weeks yeah. later and you're just like, Oh wow. Awesome. Like what, like, because then you, tr it truly does hit you. Like what is not possible? Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, you might not have a million dollars yet or you not might not, but you're still like doing it's things happening. that no one else is doing or you're still yeah, yeah. like, I mean, I'm the only, uh, spider athlete, you know, professional spider athlete. And the only professional athlete to have is a real shoe line. You yeah. know, not even Sagan has that. Yeah. And it's like, 
why are we not pushing more towards that? And it's like, I can then forever say like the rest of my life that I was the first ever spider athlete. Yeah. That's like, so cool. and I've, I grew up skiing my whole life. So like spider for me is bigger than Nike. It's bigger than Adidas to, to me, spider, like that's everything in ski culture. So then when they oh, approached sure. me to be in cycling and to start that culture within cycling, it was just like, you know, a dream come true, you know? And yeah. like I said, those dreams don't come overnight. Those dreams come after like so much hardship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, and, and a lot of no's like it's, oh it's my a gosh. lot of, it's a lot of setback to get to the one. Yes. So it's, it's never like, it's not like you just met, like I'm assuming MV is not the only wheel company you talk to, you know, spider is not the only shoe company or clothing company yeah. you talk to, you know, champ systems. Like, yeah, you can just go down the line of like, even those sponsors, not only telling you no, or not only not responding, but even telling you how it's not going to work or how it doesn't yeah. make sense. And yeah, I, I sometimes, and it, it might just be personality, but sometimes I think that's great actually, because it kind of just goes, well, that made it really easy because like, <laughs> if you, if you actually didn't think this was going to work, we weren't going to work because like this yeah. is how my brain's rolling, you know? Oh so, yeah. No, you, I mean, I, anytime, I mean, that's something for everyone to go like, take away from this too is like have a plan premeditate and just start like you know creating a proposal or an email a resume whatever and just start sending that out like For sure. just send it like like i said you're gonna get so many no's but you never know like and you never know what someone actually might do like you might be asking for this but they're able to do that you know what i mean and yeah. if you really like them and if you really truly want to be part of it you'll accept it because you'll know you want to just be in the door. Then once you get in the door, that's when you really turn on the, like the gas and really start to try to impress them, you know, and start sure. to make a name for yourself. And like, cause how I long mean, have you been working with spider? Cause that wasn't an overnight thing. Like, I mean, nah, like you didn't have, you didn't have a shoe line as imaginary collective. Like you've been riding spider for a while previously, right? Yeah. I, uh, I met spider probably about six years ago, uh, at a commercial, and yeah. then two years later, they contacted me and, uh, or maybe it was like four years ago or whatever. Uh, they contacted me and, you know, so it was like two years after the fact we'd met, but wow. I had, I had been friend, I had Facebook friend them. And yeah. like when I was hanging out with the owner of the company, I wasn't afraid to talk to him. So many yeah. people are so afraid to talk to people and like, just talk to them that it gets them nowhere where me, I was just like, here's this Korean guy like you know chat just start talking like just be yourself and enjoy it like say thank you be polite like yeah. don't forget your manners and like i said i left that photo shoot in la and then two years later i'm working with you know i'm signed to them to do their first ever cycling you know uh launch. campaign you know launch and you know flying out there supplying they're flying me out to korea you know pick out shoe design, pick out material, feel the flex of the carbon, you know? Yeah. And it was just like, you're flying out there for three days. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. you're actually working with like real companies finally. And like people who are wanting to move forward and like see your actual potential. And that's, if anybody can take away anything from this, it's that, you know, like I said, be yourself, trust that you, like, if you're truly being yourself, it's going to work out. Even if people are telling you like, man you need to chill this or chill that it's like no i know who i am i know how i view this world i know how i view this 
I'm yeah. going to continue doing this. I'm going to, cause it's so funny how like so many people would laugh at when I would do like social media or I do this or, you know, and it was, they'd be like, Oh man, you're wasting energy. You should be focusing on the race. And it's like, because of that, I now have a job where this year where a lot of people now are like suffering, you know, cause yeah. they didn't focus on social media, you know, look at Corey, Corey Williams. He's now at 60,000 followers. He's not a professional. Like he's not technically a professional. His Legion team isn't like technically professional, but yet it's the most professional team out there. Oh, for sure. So it's like, it's it's a brand. It's yeah. They got results. I mean, they got it all. I mean, like, you just can't break that. You know, I love those guys. And it's like, that's what I'm talking about is like, that shows what is then possible. Like, why can't you have a protein that's not UCI? They've done it. Like they yeah. did a pro, they did a team that's better than all the U.S. continental teams. Yeah, it's unreal. like better than any of the U.S. Like better than a lot of the, like pro teams. You know, they got a better lead out than most people. They're so dialed professionally. They're yeah. so dialed professionally and media wise. Like I think it's hilarious. Like that yeah. others like used to laugh at them, and now they're the most successful, and they are like you know, bringing on million dollar, like sponsors, everything, you know? Well, and I also think it goes to show, like, when you give the athlete freedom, like the yeah. big difference that makes, cause like you look at- We got Corey, ideas. You, yeah, you look at Corey, you look at Justin and those two guys, like before Legion, you're like, oh man, like they were good, but like sometimes they couldn't put it together. Or they could only do it in California. Now mm-hmm. you take it out and I mean, I don't want to speak for Justin, but like, he's like more DS guy now. Like, it seems like he's oh. kind of backing up a little bit in the race. Yeah, he. I mean, he definitely. I mean, I think anyone who started their own thing, like, you know, like me with the Imaginary Collective or Legion, yeah. you have to have someone basically be. I mean, like, like sacrificing. Like, you bit. have to. Yeah, you have to. That's why you have to be like, we can't win. Yeah. Like, yeah. Justin has to, and he admits that. Like, he has to. A lot. He pushes Corey's the star, and he, yeah. you know, that's who they. So that allows Justin to handle more of the business, and he but crushes he's it. Almost, he's probably almost better than he was when he was on pro teams, man. Yeah, he almost I did mean, two thousand watts the other day in a sprint. Yeah, it's unreal. It's unreal. But the fact is, it's just like me. It's realizing yeah. you can do more with your vision than your legs, For sure. because both him and I had the opportunity to go. You know, he had the opportunity. I had the opportunity. You know, we both were there at like the tipping point of like world tour and making it. Yeah. And we just didn't. And we just turned, like I said, we both just realized we were more meant for the culture of the sport and to actually see it in the vision standpoint. So like allowing, giving like down the future, I would love to have some kids on imaginary collective that could go tear up every race, yeah. like, but still promote that good vibes you know yeah and so it's like it's just about slowly building your vision and allowing maybe others basically down the road to wreak the benefits wreak the rewards you know whether that be your grandkids or you know for me i think about you know here we have almost four thousand high school mountain bike kids in the league of utah yeah. uh in the nike league and you know maybe one or two will go pro yeah. like maybe and but it's like what if we could target them to go towards imaginary collective yeah. so how many kids on racing their mountain bike also love to draw 
or also love to be manufacturer or love engineering, creating. Yeah. Like to me, there's not one platform that's just like, you know, we're just here to help create. And in the future, I would love to have like people who are developing this with Envy or engineers who are doing this with them, you know, and it's like people are coming to us to help develop that, you know, and that artistic side, yeah. you know, and to me, it's basically kind of like, like Kanye West donned a school, you know, <laughs> basically yeah. a, a, some type of inst like thing where it's just about that guidance of creation and pushing yeah. us far more forward in the gravel world in, you know, ways of not thinking about speed or, you know, performance space. But, and so that's the challenge. That's the challenge. Yeah. No. And so we're kind of coming close to time and uh, <laughs> yeah. I just kind of want to like, I really appreciate it, man. Cause like, we'll definitely have to get you back on just to, like keep chatting. Cause totally, man. Um, but yeah, just kind of give me, kind of give me an idea of like, um, what now, man? I mean, like we were talking before we started recording that it's like so beautiful. The fact of like, yeah, this is a pandemic. This is sad. This is scary for a lot people losing jobs and whatever else but for some it's it's an opportunity to just kind of step back like this is the first time like i'm I'm not really a family guy and i had a yeah. family night the other night on zoom like yeah that's cool and like and like stuff like that you know so what do you what do you kind that's of an imaginary collective right there yeah. that feeling you that feeling yeah. you felt you that you left your home to go pursue professional life and i've been caught up and then all of a sudden you're able to do that zoom call yeah and it re-sparks that emotion in you yeah that's it yeah, that's yeah. imaginary collective right there with, with a bike awesome, you know and so it's like that's what i want people to feel whether they're on a bike but um yeah what now is i mean i'm constantly you know on to the next thing or on thinking ahead definitely haven't used this time to like complain or used it to like feel sorry because it's definitely a super, you know, it's a bummer and it's super bad with, you know, those who are suffering uh, and for everything that's going on. But we always have a choice every day. We can wake up and we can complain about the situation and feel sorry for ourselves. And then we're going to wake up the next day and be in the same spot. Or we can wake up and think ahead. Think, okay, this is the situation. What can I do within it? How can I create? I mean, I was on a Zoom, this is my second Zoom call today where I was already talking to someone in Spain, you know, about possible business like over there, you know, I'm constantly, you know, on the move, you know, because, you know, we started the podcast during all this, started yeah. a lot of things. And it's not like it just like all of a sudden this hit, the virus hit and it was like, all right, let's push through. It was like, nah, there were two weeks where it was like, crazy everyone felt that i felt like where it was like two weeks where you were terrified you know sure. but i remember it hitting me like maybe because i've been doing a lot of like the wim hof breathing and cold water therapy but yeah. it kind of hitting me like just like looking around i'm good like yeah. look outside right now like it's sunny the sun is out the birds are chirping there's wind in the like you have lung you have wind <laughs> inside your you have air inside your lungs yeah, yeah. your heart is beating like and so then we have a choice like well let's create something let's push through this and like i've created a lot of my best artwork during this time i've yeah i've you know started the podcast and done a lot of stuff and i i couldn't be prouder of what 
we've done with this time when basically with nothing, you know, that's the beauty of it is like everything, like, you know, a lot of the cycling world is on froze. So that means a lot of the money that would be coming in is frozen. So it's like, you have to think outside the box and create even when you're not getting paid. And for a lot of people, when the moment money stops coming in, that's when panic starts and they start thinking they can't work. But that's when, you know, it's like, you still have to, you have to think outside. You have to find ways, you know, I have an 11 month old daughter and my wife and it's like, you have to be creative then. How am I going to like do something creative to then get us to the next step or, you know, so I I've used this time to push myself and to, you know, also to take time to like balance myself and realize like there's been a, I go we try to go camping every weekend and not use like you know go work somewhere where there's no service and I love it like yeah, awesome. completely deconnect you know detaches you from that virtual world and it's like that's the point is then now finding this balance of like all right be on social media this time all right now I'm off it all right now I'm in the real world all right now I'm in the studio painting when I'm doing something I'm doing it it's not like I'm in the studio painting and texting and doing this it's like then you're not getting anything done you're just half-assing everything all so over the place. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah the, tj that's awesome man we could talk um, all day man dude i know this is fucking rad just because like dude, you know i've I never met you the love in person fully or at least now but this is rad yeah. i'm so glad that you you jumped on with me man well just so you guys know, if you want to order art from this guy, if you want to check out his sponsors, I'm going to put all the links in the description mm-hmm. below. So please hit him up. He's very personable. So like he'll message uh, thank you back. You. Trust me. Um, yes. Other than that, TJ, thank you so much, my man. Um, thank you so wow. much, man. Right. Appreciate Cheers. it. Cheers.